Hey everyone, welcome back to A Perspective. This is Mariana speaking, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode on the podcast today. Seriously, just want to give the biggest thank you to all of you that keep coming back every single week to tune in and listen. It is so nice to just be able to talk to you guys and share some wisdom. So it means a lot to me that you guys keep coming back and thank you. Thank you for being here. It means a lot to me. To add to that, uh, I just want to tell you guys that A Perspective by MJ is now available on Apple Podcasts. If that is a platform that you prefer listening to, it's available on there now. And to add to that, if you are a frequent listener on Apple Podcasts, and of the podcast in general, and you wouldn't mind popping on there and leaving a rating and a review, it would mean a lot to me because it just helps us reach more listeners. So any and all feedback is appreciated, and thank you in advance. On another note, happy Mental Health Awareness Month, everybody. Uh, May, in case you didn't know, is a month out of the year that is dedicated towards uplifting the voices of individuals who have or are still suffering from a mental health detriment, whatever that may be, Uh, and it's a month that is dedicated towards raising awareness about mental health resources available to everybody and to, and it is a month that is meant to allow people to share their stories and to build community and to just provide a space for everybody to come together and acknowledge that mental health is very much a thing and is very much alive and even more so now that we are in a pandemic and a very ongoing pandemic to that so I just want to take a moment to say that if you are suffering from anything that is putting you down right now it's going to be okay and I'm always here to talk I am always here to listen so If you're at a place right now that you really don't like to be in, don't hesitate to send an email or reach me right on my Instagram. My links are added in the podcast description on whatever platform you are listening in from right now. But your story matters and you matter and mental health is not a once out of 12 months thing to recognize and acknowledge. It is a everyday 24-7 practice that we all have to actively prioritize into our days because it's also not something that we should only pay attention to when we are at our lowest low. It is an equally as big priority when we are at our best highs. So like I said, this pandemic is still very much alive and it has impacted each and every single one of us hard and in a different way. So to those of you who are not in the best place right now, I want to send you all my love, all my strength and just tell you to keep going because life gets better i promise now before getting into the content of today's episode which i am very excited about and it is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart and also a topic that i want to contribute to the podcast as part of mental health awareness month Uh, but right before we get into that i do want to take a second to acknowledge that i am currently recording this episode on the unceded traditional territory of the Quaquitlam, Musqueam, Stalo, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations communities whose relationship with the land stands to this day. Now I want to give a little bit of background as to what inspired the making of today's episode and why I am looking forward to diving into the content that I've got planned for this episode. Um, so today we're digging into 
the past and digging into our past and why that is such a necessary and important process that we need to go through in life. Um, For me personally, as I've kind of gone on my own journey of growth and as I am currently actively on my journey of growth towards being a better person every single day, I've realized over the years that a lot of that growth has had to come from intentionally diving into my past and reflecting on it and acknowledging it and the events that happened that have made me into the person I am today and you know some of those events have been good they've been life-changing they've been revolutionary towards the person I am today the ambitions I have today the values I have today but there's also been the not so nice moments that were also equally life-changing for not so nice reasons but they've also been key events in my life that shaped me into the person I am today as well and I think that as I've talked to people my friends acquaintances family and we talk about things that we're going through habits we're trying to make negative thought patterns we're also trying to eliminate from our minds it's very evident that a lot of the work has to come from that reflection of the past and a lot of the things that are implanted in our heads right now whether it's like I said bad habits or negative thought patterns self-deprecating behaviors a lot of those things stem from a time in our past where we were not as aware as we are now and thus did not have the tools to cope with certain things happening around us and in that we develop behaviors that now stick with us and so as hard as it can be to go back into our past and to face those not so good times it is so essential for contributing to the growth that we want to make today and for the growth that we want to contribute towards the people that we want to become tomorrow doing work centered around the past is a very prominent topic that I've been seeing everywhere right now and it's something that I've been quite fascinated in recently for a lot of reasons um, because I found it very healing for myself and I think that I've seen the effects that it has on people when they themselves go backwards and face it and accept it and then make proactive choices as to how to grow from it and It's one of those things where I feel like when you become obsessed about a topic, the universe just kind of starts throwing stuff at you about it and starts throwing resources at you for you to become more aware of it. And so in the last week, uh, I've been seeing and engaging in a lot of content by Nicole LaPera, who is better known as the holistic psychologist on Instagram. She is the author of the best-selling book, How to Do the Work brilliant book my mom is reading it right now and we're also following along with her new podcast the sound healer soundboard on apple Podcasts, which is kind of the master class of the book and it is beautiful such a brilliant resource if you are looking to learn about trauma and what trauma is and how it manifests itself and how to heal from it so i definitely recommend that for anyone and everyone who is interested and The other thing, and I will be making references to this particular podcast a lot in today's episode, but also in the podcast in general, like you guys will hear me talk, you guys have heard me talk about 
Brene Brown before, so this is just another one of her phenomenal podcast episodes that she dropped this week, but uh, I went on a walk and was listening to her most recent episode on her podcast, Unlocking Us, with Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry, who recently collabed on a book called What Happened to You, and let me tell you that the dialogue and the conversation that was had in this particular podcast just left me wide-eyed. Like, I was walking down a trail towards, like, a very local park near my house, and people were giving me such weird looks because I was just walking, like, wide-eyed, and every couple seconds I'd go, like, or I'd, like, blow out or (laughs) or just say, like, wow out loud because it was just such good, valuable, and insightful information that they provided on this particular episode, and I want to share some of it with you today and also share with you the own some of my own digging that I did into the things that they talked about and how to apply that towards your own healing of your past. Now here's the harsh, undeniable, but equally beautiful part about the past and the concept of the past. The past is the one thing about you that you cannot change. It is set in stone as soon as it happens. And that can be really hard because a lot of us are suffering from experiences and events that left a scar on our hearts and on our minds. And a lot of us are suffering from regret and anger and resentment towards ourselves for mistakes that we made in the past, but also towards other people for mistakes that they made that directly affected us. And I think a lot of people's response to that and the fact that the past can't be changed is the narrative of, you know, why would I even spend time in the past if you can't change it? Just like move on, forget about it. It doesn't matter. Just look ahead at what's to come. That's more important. I want to challenge that notion real quick with a quote that I found and I couldn't find the source of who said this brilliant quote, unfortunately, but the quote goes, the past is a place of reflection not resonance and as hard as it can be to dive into the past knowing that you can't change it and you can't change the outcome of what happened and thus you can't erase the scars that you have from those experiences that happened in the past the past is the best firsthand piece of tangible evidence that you have to speak towards your current behaviors. You know how you give your trust to people too quickly, or you know how you tend to run into relationships too quickly, or you know how you tend to be very reactive when you're angry or frustrated at somebody. I can guarantee you that if you have any of the behaviors that I just listed or other negative behaviors that you are trying to break, 99.99% they are most likely from something that happened in your past and the thing about that is that so many times and more often than not the behaviors that we develop that we grow to dislike in our present selves are behaviors that developed from events or occurrences in our past that at the time we weren't aware enough to realize the impact that those things had on us at the time 
And now that trauma and that negativity that may have occurred from that particular experience is now manifesting itself through these unhealthy behaviors that we are eliciting and we're trying to break. So, like I said, as hard as it can be to take the step towards facing some of those experiences that affected us in such a negative way and caused us pain for some time and caused us to have to lose people and have to hurt people, have to hurt ourselves, it is so important to acknowledge them and accept that they happened and then trace the path from that event to where you are now and what happened along that path and the good and bad things that happened along that path towards where you are now so that you can understand yourself better for who you are right now. So something that Oprah and Brene and Dr. Bruce Perry mentioned in their particular podcast episode that I absolutely love, and I think this ties beautifully into raising awareness about mental health and like what this month means right now that we're in, and Oprah and Bruce said that the goal of their book, titling it What Happened to You, is to shift the narrative from what's wrong with you to what happened to you. Because a lot of times we elicit negative behaviors that impact others that they dislike or disapprove of or vice versa. And our first response is what's wrong with you, right? Because we want to protect ourselves we want to question them we want to challenge them to change that behavior but that narrative can be very harming because a lot of like I said a lot of the behaviors that we elicit and the other people elicit are behaviors that they are very unaware of and they are unaware of where they stem from and using the narrative of what's wrong with you pathologizes and paints a negative picture about them in their own heads. They start to feel like they are being attacked. They start to feel like they're in the wrong. When in reality, we need to respond with empathy and understanding to people's behaviors that we disapprove of or that we acknowledge as unrighteous. Because like I said, those behaviors, 99.999% of the time, are products of the past that at the time we or they were not able to realize that implanted themselves in their heads and are now manifesting themselves as negative behaviors. And so everything I just said right there was something that Brene emphasized a lot. She said that a lot of the behaviors that we use to cope with the situation that was happening to us back then, whatever that may have been, whatever that situation that was negatively impacting us may have been, she says that she thinks it's very harmful that those coping mechanisms that we used are now labeled as pathology or something that's wrong with us. So to kind of paint you a picture of what that means, I'm going to give you guys some two examples that I did after I heard what she said and was kind of doing my own work about my past to kind of paint you a picture of what she means by when 
our coping mechanisms become pathologized in the eyes of other people. So I'm going to give a little more lighthearted example, and I'm also going to give a little more personal, harsher example from my own past. So the first one that I have here is that when I was, I think this happened when I was about nine or eight years old, uh, my mother was on the thrift shop train before it was as popular as it is now like she would take my sister and I thrift shopping to value village to consignment stores like far more often than she would take us to retail stores in the mall because obviously it's more che- it's cheaper but also like you know my you as children you grow super quickly so there's no point in spending a lot of money on clothes because you're going to grow out of them in three months right so she would just take us to value village and we my sister and I like had a ton of clothes <laughs> it was awesome and you know we always got home and washed them right away and would wear them to school the day or two after because we were just so excited and so one day we went to the thrift store and i found my mom found me this like super cute denim jacket and you know we got home washed it and i wore it to school the next day and obviously because it was a newer piece of clothing my friends had never seen me in it before and one girl who was in my friend group at the time uh she kind of came up to me during lunchtime and she said hey is that a new jacket I really like it where is it from and so me shamelessly I go oh my my mom and I went to Valley Village yesterday and she bought it for me and she goes oh isn't that the poor people's store (laughs) so I remember in that moment just feeling so much shame and so much embarrassment because the last thing I wanted was for anybody to think that I was poor or that I was fitting the kind of Mexican stereotype which is that I guess like we're immigrants and we're poor that's it's it's a very negative stereotype and I I'm working to abolish it from society but um <laughs> at the time I just remember feeling so embarrassed because I didn't know what to say I said oh no like you know it was really cheap but it's brand new like I was trying to show her I was trying to justify myself right after that experience I was super ashamed to admit that we shopped there because I didn't want people to see us as poor and I knew that we weren't poor so I didn't want people to see us that way so after that moment whenever we went to Valley Village I was always so afraid that I was going to see somebody from school there and when we did buy clothes from there I would look at the tag from wherever it was from so that when I showed up to school with it later and people asked where it was from, I would just say that it was from, I don't know, children's place or wherever I used to shop (laughs) when I was younger. So that one thing that happened back then then shaped the feelings that I had about myself thrift shopping for many many years like even up until high school I would thrift because it was just I I enjoy it a lot like it's one of my ultimate side hobbies um (laughs) it's so much fun and I would take my friends and they loved it like friends of mine who had never thrifted before I would take them and they would have so much fun we'd find all these things and we'd show up to school with it and like they would very happily admit that it was from Valley Village that we thrifted it and I still had such a hard time admitting it to people and there were definitely times in high school where I even lied about it because this one thing of just like the shame around what I experienced when I was little about that statement that girl made just shaped 
my response to when people asked or my feelings about me thrifting even though I really enjoyed it I thought that it was wrong or that I shouldn't be doing it because it was painting a negative connotation about myself so when I would lie or when I would feel tempted to lie and then I would tell my friends oh like I got it from Valley Village they'd be like no way really like why are you shying away from it what's wrong with you like why wouldn't you just tell us the truth and I didn't know how to explain myself right like because how are you going to tell people I'm afraid that you are going to see me as poor you know because literally like no shame to anybody who was on who is in the lower class or anybody who is homeless like I've worked with homeless populations I have immense respect for people like that and they are human just like us and I would never show any disrespect towards them by being afraid to admit that I shop secondhand right but that one experience that just painted so much shame in my head that one time just shaped my response to that in the future so that was example one uh, example two is a little bit more personal it's it's a little bit of family history but um when I was younger and still up until recently I think I think I would say they've definitely gotten better and I don't know if it's because I've grown and you know I'm 20 years old and I feel like at 20 years old your parents know that they can't <laughs> push you around or order you around as much as they could but when I was younger my parents were very reactive people when they'd get mad the first thing they would do was yell. Just scream, anger, bloody murder. Not, not that bad, but they would, <laughs> they, would, they would scream at my sister and I if we did something bad. And my father is a very scary person when he is angry. And so obviously when you're a young child and you see your father figure like blowing steam out of his ears <laughs> at something you did you're 10 times more scared than you are now as an adult so you know when we're angry and when we are in a reactive state and when we are yelling it's very hard to hear the person who was trying to apologize who was trying to justify themselves because you are like I said in a reactive state that impedes you from being able to rationalize your reaction and so a lot of times things would happen when I was younger and I would try to explain myself or I would try to justify myself I try to defend myself but because both my parents were so angry they wouldn't listen right it was no it, I there was no room for for argument that I could have been in the right and a lot of times things happen where I knew that I hadn't done anything wrong or that they were overreacting or that their reaction was not justified but because I over the years just learned to accept that no listening was going to come from those arguments because they were in a reactive state eventually I just started apologizing even if I knew that I had done nothing wrong so it was like what it was like walking on eggshells because I never wanted to make them mad. I never wanted them to react that way. So I would just apologize, apologize, apologize. And you know, I think there's a fine line between being the bigger person sometimes and just stepping down and choosing not to argue with the person and just wiping your hands clean and moving on, 
right? There are some battles that don't serve us. However, now that I am 20 years old and I'm meeting lots of people at school and through work, you meet people that don't particularly align with your values and people who overstep boundaries, right? And in those situations, you have to learn how you have you have to have the the strength and the maturity to defend yourself, right? To speak up for yourself. And doing this work after Brene said that, there has been multiple occurrences in my adolescent life in which somebody did me wrong or somebody backstabbed me or somebody lied to me and I've never been able to stand up for myself and I realized after Brene said this that it's because I'm afraid of manifesting that exact same reaction that my parents would have in that person if I choose to speak up. So it's just easier for me to apologize and let it go versus attempting to stand up for myself because I have this irrational fear of making people angry and making them react which sounds dumb and it sounds immature and it sounds weak (laughs) and and it is something that I've struggled with a lot because I can't make myself do it it's so scary for me to even think to stand up to people The idea of provoking an argument with somebody is just terrifying to me. So I've just lived my life avoiding it and finding ways around conflict. But there were definitely times where I should have chosen myself. And now that I'm in my 20s, obviously that's a very hard cycle and difficult behavior to break because of all the years that I spent not doing it. So my coping mechanism, which was apologizing, even when I knew that I didn't have to, is now the behavior that is pathologized or that's what's quote unquote wrong with me. And that is what Brene Brown was trying to say in her episode. And I think that using that narrative of what's wrong with you is also very self-deprecating because we didn't know any better right we had no way of knowing how this was going to manifest itself years down the road we never would have known the impact to which certain behaviors would affect us and our habits later on in life so when we shame ourselves for having certain behaviors and having certain habits that do not serve us right now and that are difficult for us to break we shy away from seeking help and we shy away from ourselves and we hold resentment towards ourselves and towards other people because we start to think that this negative quality is a part of us and is a part of who we are and it diminishes our self-worth when in reality we did what we could with what we had back then and to disregard that and to blame ourselves for not responding differently back then is just not a step in the right direction the hardest part about 
diving into our past and reflecting on the experiences and our responses towards those experiences is forgiving ourselves for doing what we did back then and accepting that we did what we could with the self-awareness that we had back then and we could not have expected any more from ourselves because we are not the person that we were 5, 10, 15 years ago. So I want to challenge you today to the next time you have a moment to yourself to trace your path back from where you are now to a particular event, experience, conversation, argument, whatever it may have been sometime in the past that caused you pain and caused you resent for some time. And I want, to, I want you to trace that path as clearly as you can from everything that, ha- that happened from there to where you are now. Because that path will highlight where you acquired certain behaviors and habits that you may be trying to break right now. And it'll show you why you acquired them and stuck with them and why they are now comfortable to you. Because a lot of times the behaviors that we have now were the behaviors that we relied on back then as self-preservation mechanisms to ensure that we were safe, to ensure that nobody could hurt us, to spare ourselves. Our brain works in meticulous ways to protect us from disappointment and from hurt and in doing so we acquire habits and behaviors and self-deprecating narratives that don't serve us but are now stuck with us if only it was as easy to build a good habit as it was a bad one am I right (laughs) but um I want to challenge you to do that process because it is difficult but it is so liberating once you do. Our generation has done an immense amount of work and evolution around a lot of topics that were that seemed right to our parents, our grandparents, and even to us when we were younger back then. But now we start to see that these are actually very negative and very unhealthy things to practice and to believe in so some examples of this are you know the body positivity movement has taken off in an immeasurable way recently and I think that it's so huge because you were starting to see more and more models and women of different shapes and sizes appear in the media and speak against people who promote and encourage you know, these crazy diets and being as skinny as the models you see in the magazines and photoshopping imperfections and to our parents and to our grandparents and to us when we were children, for me personally, that was normal, right? That was what you had to aspire to be. That was what your worth was based upon, was if you looked exactly like that model or that mannequin in the store so my mom and my dad would like try all these crazy diets and they would like stop buying treats for us because they didn't know right at the time that that was not what worth was and that 
and the trying to embody that and fit that common ideal of what a body should look like was wrong. And because we were kind of tamed to believe that as well, it's so dug into us that our self-worth is based on what we look like. Our body is only a super small fraction of the people we are today. It doesn't define us. And I love and appreciate all the men and women that are coming out and speaking against and challenging that narrative that was once the common belief. And I completely agree. Like, I would never look at a woman and judge her, or a man for that matter, and judge them based on their appearance. Because there's so much more to it. But me, for myself, I still really struggle dissociating myself and my self-worth from that ideal because it was so engraved in me. So our generation has done fabulous work and we still have a lot to go. But what I want to say by this is that when we go back into our past and our generation also has a lot of trauma that we're dealing with because back then there were beliefs that just like the body positivity one were far more harmful than good and although they were subtle they are now manifesting themselves in very self-deprecating behaviors so how many of your parents told you when you were upset as a child to go to your room and not come out until you were happy how many of you were told you do push-ups like a girl or you run like a girl or that boys shouldn't cry or that you're being too sensitive You know, like, those narratives back then seem normal to our parents and to us, right? But now, how many of us struggle with opening up to other people, crying in front of other people, showing our emotions and being vulnerable to other people, being seen for who we are, because there was once a time where we were told that we shouldn't be or we shouldn't try to be. A lot of the things, a lot of those behaviors are a byproduct of those narratives that were once common belief and now do not serve us. And that is why doing the work and going back into the past is so important. As long as you do not reside there for too long and stay there and dwell on what could have been and what should have been, it is simply about acknowledging that it happened and forgiving the people involved, including yourself. Doing this work will allow you to forgive the people that did you wrong and it will allow you to forgive yourself for the way in which you responded with doing what you had back then. Now, I said this already in this episode a lot, but this forgiveness involves acknowledging that your parents and your friends and the people around you your professors whoever it was that may have set a narrative that was harmful to you back then and is now manifesting itself within you in behaviors that you dislike is acknowledging that they did the best with what they knew and what they had our parents beliefs are byproducts of their parents belief and their grandparents beliefs and They didn't know any better back then. They didn't know that being sensitive was not something to be looked down upon. They didn't know that it's not shameful for a man to cry. They didn't know 
that anger shouldn't be seen as this taboo emotion that you shouldn't show externally. And it can be really hard to not sink down the rabbit hole of blaming people and being angry towards them and wishing they could have changed and wishing they could have responded a different way. But you have to forgive them. Not for them, but for yourself. Because that person or those people won't benefit from you forgiving them in any way, shape, or form. Other than maybe having some peace if you already did the work in telling them and confronting them about those behaviors that they once did. But the only person who is going to gain anything from forgiveness is you. You need to be at peace with that experience. And you need to acknowledge that it happened and accept that it happened and, and work towards growing from it. Because you deserve that much for yourself and to not see yourself as a victim or a byproduct of that experience. You are more than the choices you made back then and you are more than the words that people use back then to describe you. It is completely within you and up to you to choose to grow from that and to define you for who you are and for who you want to be. And as hard as it can be to retrace your steps and to acknowledge the events and occurrences that shaped your pain and your resentment, your past made you who you are and that is the beautiful part of your past. Your past has defined your purpose and it has defined the driving ambitions that motivate you to wake up and be better than you were yesterday every single day. Though accepting that you can't change it and you can't change the outcome of it and you can't go back in time and react differently to certain situations, you can embrace it and you can tell your story and do so shamelessly because I guarantee you that there are people who went through very similar experiences to yours and will find salvation and comfort in hearing your story and relating to the pain that you went through. Nobody's pain is the same, but I can assure you that people have been through very similar things that you have been through and will relate to the way that you may have responded or will share similar habits and behaviors that you are listening now that manifested themselves as a result of your past experiences. So although you can't change the outcome of your past, you can certainly change the direction in which you choose to go from afterwards once you're doing this work. And that can be really scary, but reflect on how far you've come at the same time and acknowledge that and thank yourself and congratulate yourself for overcoming the obstacles and the barriers that were placed in front of you regardless of how you may have chosen to get over them then because you are worth so much more than your decisions and you deserve to not feel ashamed of the person that you are or the person that you once were so acknowledge that and embrace it and accept it and work towards healing those parts of yourself 
by acting on them from now on. And what I'm going to do next here is give you some guidance and some prompts as to how you can do this and as to how you can retrace your path and as to what you can expect from this journey of digging into the past because it is a tough one but it's a very liberating one at the same time. Now the very first thing to expect from your journey into your deep dive into your past is that there are going to be emotions and that is the one-off that always shies us away from doing the work is because we know that we are going to be confronted with very intense emotions at different stages and it's scary and it's okay to be afraid but don't fear them because they are just emotions they are not who you are they are not going to pull you back into the state of mind that you may have had after a particular experience if you were at a very low low unless you allow them to you have to create space between yourself and these emotions i've talked about this before on the podcast but envision yourself as the sky and these emotions as clouds that are just floating by just look at them from a distance and acknowledge them and then do the process of asking why they're there Emily and Amelia Nagowski, the twins and authors of the book Burnout, said a very beautiful quote in their book that goes that before you go through emotions, you have to go to them. And this means exactly what it sounds like, just facing them head on. But it doesn't have to be this just process of literally throwing yourself into your pool of emotions it is okay to do it one step at a time to slowly sink your feet in and explore the water before you dive into it because every emotion that you experience is a signpost in a direction towards your values if you are experiencing anger from reflecting on a past experience, maybe a friend lied to you, maybe a partner cheated on you, that anger is telling you something. That resentment and that pain is telling you something. It's telling you that a boundary of yours was crossed. It's telling you that someone betrayed your trust. It's telling you that someone directly violated one of your values. Loyalty, respect, trust, whatever it may have been. And a lot of times, that anger that we may be experiencing is actually anger towards ourselves and we don't even realize it. So in the example of the friend or in the example of the partner cheating, say this friend lied to you or this partner cheated on you and you still stuck around after this happened. And years later, maybe this person is still in your life or they're not in your life anymore and you still feel a pang of resentment when you see them or you hear their name. Is that pang of resentment anger towards them for what they did? Or is it anger at yourself for staying? Because a lot of times that anger is the red light that is beeping and telling us, hey, 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 boundary was crossed. And it's still being crossed because this person is still in your life. So a lot of times 
you've actually already done the work of forgiving them but you haven't forgiven yourself and you are still angry at yourself for something that you did or didn't do now as you go through your process of reflecting on your past here are five questions fundamental questions that you should ask yourself as you go through this process the first question is why when an emotion presents itself to you when you reflect on a past experience ask yourself why that emotion is manifesting itself to you is it because a boundary was overstepped is it because one of your old beliefs is being challenged and you have to make the choice as to continue following that belief or breaking away from it is it because somebody violated one of your values ask yourself these questions as to why this emotion is associating itself with that particular experience so that you can pinpoint the root of it the second question is to ask yourself what happened this means reliving the experience to the best of your abilities as a third party observer say you are reflecting on an argument that you were having with a friend or a family member a couple of years ago you have to sit in a corner of the room and just watch past you and past person <laughs> have the argument so that you can subjectively and objectively evaluate it and see where they may have been wrong but also where you were wrong in your position and how the outcome of that situation led to the aftermath of that event question number three is how is this experience affecting my now so how did the pain that you felt in that experience lead you to develop certain self-preservation mechanisms like not opening up to people and not trusting people how is that experience manifesting itself in your everyday life do you still think about it actively and often are you not talking to that person anymore are you still upset by it it is acknowledging that it may still be impacting you and not serving you and then figuring out a way to forgive yourself and the person involved to move forward number four very similar to what i just said there is what do i need to do to heal and for this particular question there is no magic formula unfortunately because healing looks different on everybody do you need time for yourself do you need time off work do you need to erase that person from your life do you need to lay bolder and clearer boundaries do you need to confront the person and if this applies to you if you are currently holding pain or a grudge against someone or a number of people who may have done you wrong at one point here are four ways that you can do that the first one is you can talk directly to the person this is very difficult and especially if it's something that happened years ago it's tough to admit to them that you may still be upset and to yourself too of course but it's tough to revisit these things and for the person to feel like you may have been going through it for, for all this time. However, 
it is your right at the same time to verbalize that it is affecting you and that it affected you and that you are hurting from it. Number two is to write a letter to the person. And after you write the letter, I think this is a very valuable way of gaining perspective because once the emotions are out on paper, where you can be a third party observer to them, you can figure out specific points that you are angry about and what are the places that you are really hurting within. This is a brilliant method and you know what, in the end, you can choose to send the letter give it to them or not choose to depending on if the person is still in your life or not and if you think it's worth it but it definitely is and you have that right as well to communicate the outcome of that experience and how it's impacting you the third thing you can do is you can visualize a conversation that you would have with the individual or the even individuals now this is a really good method if you are about to have the conversation with the people involved or if this person is no longer in your life and you still wanted to tell them how you felt in your imagination it is equally as healing but the only caveat to this one is that if you are visualizing the conversation because you're about to go and have it with the individuals involved do not use this as a way of memorizing a script And then going into the conversation with it. Because when you get there, you are going to then have an expectation of how it's going to go. And if it doesn't go that way, which it probably will not because nobody has any way of reading your mind or your expectations. But it's just, you won't communicate what you were intending to communicate. And so use this to set your mind at ease and to figure out what you want to say and how you want to say it. But by no means memorize a script in your head as to how you want the conversation to go the fourth and final way that you can do this is a little bit unusual but it works it's role play actually so if you have somebody in your life that you are close to and they know that you went through this or maybe they don't know and you open up to them about it but this is a brilliant way to also express exactly what you want to say and say it and get somebody's opinion about it and I also want to say that you can lay right off the bat to the person that they don't have to say anything they're not entitled to say anything about what you want to say because it's your pain and it's your healing but it's very liberating when even if it's not the other person to say your feelings out loud and have them hear it and feel like somebody is listening because So many times, the pain that we are holding is pain that is rising out of our desire to feel heard and to feel seen. And if you role play with somebody, you're going to feel heard and you're going to feel seen. And if you allow them to, they can give you an opinion and and you can allow them to share the experience with you. But this method is brilliant if you really want to verbalize what you want to say and feel healed and feel a little bit more relieved now that it's out in the open so the fifth and final fundamental question that you should ask yourself as you go through your process of healing from your past is to ask yourself 
what am I grateful for about this experience? And what did it teach me? I say this one for last because it's arguably the toughest one. Because it's very difficult to find the good in the things that once caused us so much pain and suffering. But there is always something good in every situation if you if you choose to weave it out from all the negative. And everything that has happened to you in your life has taught you something, whether you realize it or not. And to do the process of figuring out what lessons came from this experience and how those lessons shaped you into the person you are today is the best act of reflection and the best act of forgiveness that you can give yourself because at the end of the day like I mentioned earlier your past made you who you are today and that's beautiful for me personally and you deserve to feel okay with what once was and not resent or continue wishing that it could have been any different If you can find the gratitude and the lesson in your past and what it taught you, you are so, you are just one step closer to healing from it. For me, if there's one thing that I'm really grateful for about my parents' reactivity when I was younger, and like it feels really weird to say out loud, right? Like I'm really grateful for my parents' reactivity. And it was really tough for me to accept that at first, but I can tell you now that the biggest thing that I learned from it is that a the difference between being reactive and responsive is there's a fine line between the two and when you're reactive you can't expect the person to hear you or see you but when you're responsive and you respond with compassion and with patience the other person will feel seen and heard and you will also feel seen and heard with the person if they crossed a line that they weren't supposed to cross. So that experience and their behavior taught me that I want to be patient and listen to others and to act with compassion to others and to try to understand where their actions came from before diving into any kind of argument or even thinking about judging them for what they did. Because a lot of times people don't intend to hurt us, but because of experiences from our past that have instilled negative behaviors in us they manifest themselves in ways that can be harmful to others and we just have to understand that it's no one's fault if they are acting out of ways that they were taught were once right and now they don't even realize that those behaviors are outdated or harmful so all this to say that Facing the past can be scary, facing the past is difficult, but it's worth it. And you may not be able to change your past, but you always have a choice as to how you grow from it and as to how you become something from it. Life is meant to be hard, nobody said that it wasn't going to be, but that's what makes it worth living. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. That was very heartfelt from my part and I loved being able to share that with you guys and to 
yeah, share some pain and to acknowledge it and accept that it lives within us and embrace it as much as we can. So I hope you liked today's episode. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and a review, that would be amazing for future listeners who are looking for self-improvement wisdom to listen in on. But other than that, have a great rest of your week, everybody, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.